Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. It's Eric Nemchak here alongside Stephen Trinkwald, and we have a special 2021 WNBA All-Star Edition content ready for you. Stephen, you ready to talk some All-Stars? Yeah, we will uh, name our All-Stars, I guess, you know, who we thought would deserve to make just the single All-Star team this year as the format's a little bit different. Uh, I think most Olympic years, if I'm not mistaken, there is no All-Star team. Um, but this year, I think because, you know, the bubble was such a, a weird situation, there wasn't one last year, you know, they didn't want to go two years without. So this year, the one all-star team that has been assembled will be facing off against Team USA. I think that's uh, kind of a, a cool format that they decided on this year. That'll be July 14th. So we decided to pick our all-stars. Might be pretty similar to the WNBA all-stars, but definitely not exactly the same. So look forward to uh, talking about it. Yeah, and as usual, uh, the main point of podcasts is to give one's opinion when it isn't warranted. So that's what we will do. Uh, and first of all, like there are some, I think we have some differences uh, from what was vote, who were voted as all stars rather. Uh, but Stephen, first, uh, take us through this process here. Who was named to Team WNBA, as they call it? Yeah, sure. And we'll we'll go through Team USA. I guess I'll start there because these are players that were not okay, eligible. Yeah, that's a good idea. They were, they were not eligible to be named as All-Stars, although I think, oddly enough, they were still in the pool of voting that players could pick from. So uh, very confusing overall. But Team USA <laughs> consists of uh, Ariel Atkins, Sue Bird, Tina Charles, Nafisa Collier, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Sylvia Falls, Chelsea Gray, Brittany Griner, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, and Asia Wilson. So that's Team USA. Those players you will not hear on our, our All-Star teams because they're not eligible uh, for the all-star team uh, that was voted on by the fans and others. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, this will count as an all-star season in their sort of uh, WNBA resume. Which is, of course, very important because, as said in the CBA, all-stars get bonuses. Right. So very important to get that money. Uh, I, I say that uh, non-sarcastically, for sure. No, it, um, is it legit important? Yes. <laughs> who's, so, on, uh, who's on Team WNBA? Yeah, Team WNBA. So the all-stars named, uh, it was earlier this week, uh, Dewana Bonner, Liz Cambage, Kalea Copper, Dierica Hamby, Brianna Jones, John Quell Jones, Benajah Laney, Arike Agumbawale, Candace Parker, Satu Sabali, Courtney Vandersloot, and Courtney Williams. Those are your all-stars this season. Uh, some surprising names for me that we'll definitely get into. Yeah, we'll get into that. So real quick, before we get into our own picks, uh, just a quick review on how the Team WNBA All-Stars were actually selected. So there's fan voting. Uh, from the website or the app or however you wanted to do it. Uh, fans counted for 50% of the vote. WNBA players, so their colleagues, counted as 25% of the vote. And then a quote-unquote national panel of sports writers and broadcasters also counted for 25% of the vote. Um, the top 36 vote-getters were put into this pool, and then the coaches selected from that pool of players. So... Um, I definitely just read that from WNBA.com. So if I'm wrong, that means the WNBA website is wrong. But as we all know, the WNBA website is never wrong. So do not worry about that. Very tongue-in-cheek there. Um, okay, so how would you like to proceed? Well, I think we should start out with who we had as kind of no-brainer all-star picks. You know, players, and we can kind of give their resume nonetheless, but players that, you know, you knew before you even started the exercise were going to be on your team. Uh, for me, I had I had six players in that category essentially, and we should start with the player, in my opinion, the MVP front runner, John Quell Jones. I assume she was on your list as well. 
She was the first player I thought of. Yep. Uh, a monstrous 21 and a half points per game, 10 rebounds a game, uh, just under three stocks per game. And she is having, for the second time in her career, a 40 plus percent from three, 60 plus percent from two season. Just an unbelievable scoring season for her. John Quell is currently second in Kevin Pelton's warp behind Brianna Stewart. She is leading the league in true shooting at a uh, 69%, not only a nice number, but just a phenomenal number for her usage. <laughs> and, you know, according to the Her Hoop Stats database, she's on pace to become essentially the most efficient high usage player over the course of a full WNBA season. So any player over, you know, let's call it 25% usage, no one's ever had this type of efficiency before. If she maintains uh, close to what she's doing now, she should be the MVP of the yeah, I agree. You know, she missed a few games because of Euro basket there. But I think in, in this case, if she continues this level of play, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that she won't, um, that's not really going to matter because she's just been so good and just such a large uh, portion of Connecticut's success. What really uh, stands out to me is is the efficiency, yeah, but where that's coming from, particularly on the three-pointers. Like, she's always been known as this big who can step out and hit them occasionally. But, like, 46% on 4.73s per game. That's really, really, really good, especially on a team that maybe doesn't really have ideal floor spacing as it is. Uh, you know, I, I think, and of course, she's just a, a rebounding machine, right? It, uh, something we've come to expect from her. One of the best rebounders in the league year in and year out. No real reason to overthink this one. Um, John Cole Jones, I think both of our, uh, our MVP pick for uh, both of ours, both of our MVP picks rather. Yeah, and she, uh, you know, this is a player who has played center full-time on the finals team, and she's, you know, undoubtedly the best shooter on this team from three. So the, the skill set that she brings, and then obviously, you know, she's not just a three-point shooter, as I mentioned, 60% from two as well. Uh, that's how you get to be, you know, almost 70% true shooting. So um, I think we can move on to the next player that I had as as a no-brainer here. And these are really no in no particular order, but I had uh, Benajah Laney, uh, I imagine she was she made your team as well. Also a no-brainer for me, and forgive me if I seem caffeinated. It's because I am. I drank a lot of iced tea before this podcast. But yeah, um, Benajelani remains one of the best uh, two-way players in the league. I think that's a kind of a buzz term that people like to throw out there. But in her case, it's it's true. You know, she's one of the league's elite perimeter defenders. And after last year's most improved campaign, she's only gotten better offensively. You know, she's cooled off a little bit after that torrid start, that streak of 20-point games, particularly from three-point range. But it's still hard to argue with 19.7 points per game on 58.1% true shooting. She's still been putting a lot of pressure on the rim. And really, on this Liberty team that has been struggling as of late, she's been one of their two most consistent offensive contributors. Yeah, and to go along with those just under 20 points per game, five assists and four rebounds, uh, maybe... It's time to be, uh, I guess, a, a little bit concerned about the outside shooting. You know, she's dipped down to 31% from three. But, you know, when you kind of look at it, like she, she's taking 23% of her shots from long two, 25% from three, and she's hitting 50% of the long twos and only 31% of the three. So you got to imagine that will normalize a little bit when some of those three-point shots maybe are becoming better opportunities. Uh, I mean, if that ever comes around, you, you'd think it would mm -hmm. with Howard. And, you know, you just have to imagine that these numbers would be even more impressive if this was like a fully formed roster, you know, Howard is out. Ionescu is playing like what, maybe the 10th best starting point guard in the league right now. The bench is not really, uh, you know, WNBA 
positive contributor caliber bench. And she's still in the 84th percentile in true shooting. She's still in the 91st percentile in assist percentage. Like, yeah, she is kind of racking up a lot of turnovers, but the rest of the team around her is kind of setting her up for that. I, I would she's say. not really in an ideal situation. So the, 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 for what she's in, the, the situation she's in, I think she's still been fantastic. So the next player I had as, as a no-brainer here, Arike Agumbawale. Was she on your list? She was definitely on my list um, as a no-brainer as well. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting when I look at Arike's numbers. Uh, when stacking up year by year, they're almost exactly the same in many, many different categories as they were both in 2020 and 2019. 53.4 uh, true shooting percentage, 8.2% turnover rate, so that remains excellent. 20.7% assist percentage, which I wish would go up, but, you know, it is what it is at this point. You can't keep a scorer like Arike Gunbuale out of the All-Star game. Yeah, 20 points a game. She's second in the league in usage. You know, her her efficiency, it's it's improving, but it's like crawling in, in terms of improvement, <laughs> right? She hasn't really made the, the big leap, and maybe that just never comes with the type of game that she has. And, you know, I think it's maybe... I think there's there's really kind of two schools of, of thought with Arike. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there maybe with Arike fatigue and then obviously the ones that are very excited about the 20 points per game. But, you know, with regards to the Arike fatigue, you know, her, her playmaking, it, it really hasn't shown any improvement. Unfortunately, the, the only meaningful change in her game, it feels like is that some of the long twos are turning into threes and she's hitting those threes well. So that's definitely important. Right. But, you know, outside of just kind of the baseline 20 points a game and, you know, whatever it is for her, assist numbers here uh three and a half assists you know no, nothing amazing there but she is in the 100th percentile this season scoring as a pick and roll ball handler and 82nd percentile overall in pick and roll offense so she is ninth in kevin pelton's latest warp uh statistic that was released at the beginning of this week so you know she has definitely it's it's not empty calories her her high statistics you know this is a really good offense this wings offense and really it's being carried by the the Agumbawale, Marina Mabry, and, and even to some extent Izzy Harrison trio. 107 offensive rating when the three of those are on, the three of those players are on the court together. Uh, now they're getting destroyed defensively with those three, but nevertheless, like this is this is a really good offense. Most uh, in large part because of Enrique Agumbawale. You know what I just thought of? It, the Wings have been much better this year than they were the past two seasons, uh, and I think there's more room for them to grow as well. Given that Ogunbowale's numbers have been fairly static year by year, I think you can rule out, you can kind of crush that narrative. I don't know how many people actually believe this anyway, but that she's not she's not a team winner. You know, her, her numbers don't contribute to winning basketball because they've literally been almost exactly the same year by year, and yet the wings have improved. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't know how much I, you know, buy into – I mean, the team is just better than it used to be. Like, is that the fault of Arike Gumbawale two years ago? No, 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 no. no. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely a, a larger conversation to have about the rotation down there in Dallas, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that another day, I'm sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, uh, I had three more kind of no-brainer picks. Uh, did you have anyone else that was sort of like a, a slam dunk, you know, no, no real thought about it? Um, Brianna Jones, the other Jones in well, no, <laughs> two of the, uh, the second, the second of three Joneses in Connecticut and, um, the second really, really dominant front court player. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, honestly, like if you told me that Brianna Jones would score 34 points in a WNBA game one day, I would have looked at you like you had three eyes. Uh, but she's been incredible. Yeah. For the season, 15 and a half points per game. 6.7 rebounds on 61% true shooting, 88th percentile 
in the league. You know, per usual, the, the six and six and a half or so rebounds, not amazing, but this team is an outstanding rebounding team when she's in the game, not very good when she sits. And she is having her, I think, most dominant offensive rebounding rate, uh, up to third in offensive rebounding rate this season. And really, an argument could be made, I think, that she was their best player when John Quill Jones was out in, you know, playing in Eurobasket. Uh, the Sun went two and three without JJ in the, in the five games that she was out. And honestly, I think that's uh, better than maybe could have been expected. Uh, and a lot of that is because of Bree Jones and, and also Dewana Bonner, who I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But Bree Jones's numbers in those five games without JJ, 18 points and seven and a half rebounds on 66% true shooting, 20 plus points in the last three games without her. Uh, she also scored a career high 34 points, as you mentioned, in a game that you were attended in Indiana after setting a previous career high just last week. I think it was Tuesday of last week uh, against Dallas just three games ago. So, I mean, she has been awesome, quite frankly. Like, uh, I agree with you. A, a no, no contest uh, decision. Uh, you, you said you said earlier that uh, she was arguably the Suns' best player without JJ. I don't, I don't think there's even an argument there, to be honest with you. Bree Jones, she's so good at – you know, the thing I, I, that I want to point out about, about those rebounding statistics, you know, given that John Cole Jones is also a really, really good rebounder, you know, I, I don't think – I don't think you can say like, well, they might, they might just be quote unquote, stealing each other's rebounds. That's... And, and Bonner is a good rebounder for her position. Yeah. Well. So, and so I, what I think you need to do there is, is look at the bigger picture. Like how is the team rebounding when Bree Jones is on the court versus off the court? They are significantly better at rebounding when she's on the court than off the court. And when you watch her play, it's not just the rebounds that she gets. It's the rebounds that she prevents the other team from getting. You know, she's got such a strong base and she's become so good at boxing out, like without fouling, even if she's not getting the rebound herself, like you can't move Brianna Jones off of her spot, no matter how hard you try. She's just rooted to the ground. So um, and it's not just physical, right? It's, there's an intelligence to her boxing yeah. out as well. Like she, she has great technique on the glass. Yeah. And of course, everything we we've said about her previously that still holds true, you know, really great hands on both ends of the court, um, tremendous finishing at the basket. She is she just keeps getting better and better. You know, I have no, no more words than that. Uh, I think she's an all-star. I have one other Connecticut Sun player on this list. Uh, it was a pretty easy decision for me to include Dewana Bonner. She was the conference player of the week for the second week that they were missing John Quill Jones. Uh, for the season, Bonner is uh, third in scoring at 19.7 points a game, 10th in rebounding at 7.4 rebounds, eighth in usage. She is playing a ton of minutes, just over 33 minutes a game. I think she's seventh in minutes per game. You know, per usual, not the most efficient player in the league, just 52% true shooting, you know, 59th percentile in the league. That is probably one of the lower numbers you'll see from a, a player that I think has made my team this year. Maybe not the lowest. I'll have to go through it again. But, um, and, you know, per usual, as is Dewana Bonner's want, she's able to kind of drive her, you know, efficiency from the field up with a lot of trips to the line, just about the 74th percentile in free throw attempt rate, almost a fifth of her shooting possessions coming from the line. She's, she's blocking a ton of shots, uh, her highest block rate since 2011. Without John Quill Jones in the lineup, she was able to score just about 18 points a game on, you know, 49% true shooting, not amazing, but uh, with the, the team success and kind of the lack of dynamic play from the, the guard line for Connecticut, um, and them again, like, like I said, kind of surviving those few games without JJ, I think Bonner has to be on this team. 
Yeah, I agree with you. She was on my team. She's probably, and gosh, I, I hate to say this because it's going to make me sound like such a hater, uh, the least deserving of the three Sun All-Stars, but she's definitely still an All-Star. Um, and it's in typical Dwanda Bonner fashion. You know, maybe the efficiency, it, it, it kind of waxes and wanes, but she's such an overall contributor, you know, scoring down maybe a little bit, but I think you could just point to the Suns' uh, emphasis on, on po- low post play. And also their, their, their pace has been much slower than it has been in years past. So maybe she hasn't really been needed to do as much, or maybe she's had more possession possessions where she's literally been like the Suns bailout offense, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's still been excellent on both ends of the floor. Another really solid two-way player, 7.4 rebounds, 3.6 assists, uh, over one block and one steal a game. Um, three-point shooting, you know, it, it started out really, really hot, as we mentioned before. Kind of cooled off a little bit, but she's still been pretty effective from out there. So I have, I have no qualms about her being an all-star at all. So I have one more player kind of in this, uh, this no-brainer uh, type categorization that I have, and that's Liz Cambage. Um, definitely the lowest kind of uh, minute distribution uh, among these players. She's only playing 25 minutes a game. Um, but in those 25 minutes a game, she's, she's been outstanding, quite really frankly. 14.7 really points per game, nine rebounds, two and a half stocks. She's ninth in the league in true shooting, sixth in just raw field goal percentage. She's the only player in the league scoring, you know, 14 points a game on such low per game minutes. And she's just been one of the most productive players in the league on a per minute basis. She's uh, fifth in rebounds per game, despite only playing 25 minutes a game. Her 30% defensive rebounding rate is, uh, I want to say that was maybe second in the league. And, and she leads the league in total rebounding rate as well. So, I mean, it's, it's been an outstanding campaign for Cambage when she's been out there. You know, one thing about the minutes, I, I feel like, you know, I don't think she's, well, two ways to look at this. One might just be, she's just not a high minute per game player. I mean, we, we've seen this for, for many years now, but the other thing is thanks to the presence of someone else who we may be talking about later, she doesn't have to play that many minutes a game. Like Lambeer can afford to keep her fresh and, and keep her effective. And if she's more effective in the 25 to 26 minute, uh, per game range and then she is like 30 plus I'm okay with keeping her minutes that low uh, given that the aces can kind of stagger the rotations but you, you mentioned it already I don't really think you need to overthink this as far as an all-star selection is concerned uh, with most of the leagues like dominant bigs already on team USA Cambage is on the short list of remaining candidates for me who can still completely take over a game um, what's impressive to me about her her 2021 season at least relative to 2019 when we last saw her play in Las Vegas both her usage and her scoring efficiency are up. Whenever a player can do that, they can both increase both their volume and their scoring efficiency. I think that's commendable. And of course, she's been a complete monster on the defensive glass as expected. So yeah, big driver of the ACES success and uh, definitely an all-star. So we are uh, six for six in agreements. I think no surprise considering the players that we've talked about. But yeah. so now we get to a couple players that I think were you know, pretty easy choices once you dove into it, but they were not quite in the no-brainer category. Uh, the first player I had in this one for me was uh, Candace Parker. Did she make your all-star team? She did. Um, and in fact, it didn't really take that much thought. It, usually, I, I would say the main argument against would be the games played. She's only played 10 games. But oof, in those 10 games, uh, her impact on the team's success has been undeniable. Yeah, and uh, 10 out of the 18 games that, that Chicago has played. And the other thing, Chicago is being pretty judicious with her minutes, another player only averaging about 25 minutes a game. 
And, you know, I, I do think there's maybe not the strongest statistical argument among the players that we're going to be talking about. 12 points, eight and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, three turnovers, um, 35, I'm sorry, 37 and a half percent on three on a third of her shots coming from three. I think that is uh, a huge driver of, of their success, of Chicago's success with Candace Parker back is her ability to really credibly space the floor and knock down those shots. But a career low, 44% from two, I think that's noteworthy. Um, but, you know, this is really largely fueled by the um, the correlation between Parker coming back and Chicago starting to win games. And, and in this case, correlation uh, is causation. You know, Candace Parker is one, as we talked about last week at length, you know, one of the huge drivers of this midseason turnaround for Chicago. She's been outstanding on both ends. 100%. And I did notice when I looked at it, because I haven't looked at the statistics in, in a while, she doesn't really have the most compelling statistical case, individually speaking. But again, when you look at what she's done for the team, it's it's undeniable how good she's been. And I mean, if you say, if, if, if it's about contributing to winning basketball as you like to say i mean there aren't many there aren't many players who are more deserving than parker to be honest eric would you like a uh, live reaction for some WNBA news or is this not let's the time go for, well uh we could do that I, I think i think i know what you're saying but uh okay what's what's your what's what's the news so the storm have waived candace dupree wow <laughs> that's a lot of money it is a lot of money, just a one-year deal. My reaction is maybe Dupree just was not happy in her role. I, mm-hmm. I, I still think she's probably better than some of the other options there, or uh, maybe not. I mean, do you have any immediate reactions on kind of what this means for the, the storm, like if, if this is uh, addition by subtraction, I guess? I think that might be a little harsh, but I also don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say that she's been kind of disappointing this season, even for our tempered expectations he- heading into the season. Um, I don't really see what advantage she was giving them, basically speaking. And I believe there's an article, uh, I forget what newspaper it was, what publication it was, but I know Percy Allen was the writer. Um, when Dupree straight up said like, hey, I wasn't expecting this this lack of playing time. I'm not really sure what role I'm in. Well, I mean, she signed with a championship team uh, as a player on the down, downhill of her career. So I'm not really sure what she was expecting, but very interesting that they just ate the salary like that. I mean, I don't think anybody was going to trade for it. So, well, no, uh, definitely not. And, and the nice thing is, it doesn't carry over to future years, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, surprising nonetheless. Uh, not a team that I think has you know outstanding uh, front court depth, but maybe this means more time uh, with Katie Lou at the four, which I think is something that I've been wanting to see a little bit more. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of dive into this maybe uh, the next time we talk about a storm game. Let's get back to our all star team. Uh, I think we were done with Candace Parker, so I'll go with another. Sky player who not quite in the slam dunk category for me, but that was Courtney Vandersloot. Yep, I also have Courtney Vandersloot. She got off to a slow start, as you know, she's actually been off to some slow starts throughout her career. But uh, given the circumstances, I think she can be forgiven for that. Uh, the combination of no no healthy screeners, no healthy shooters, just not a great. It's difficult for a point guard to be playing in an environment like that. But still, the cream of the crop when it comes to high usage distributors. This is actually the fifth consecutive season in which she's averaged at least eight assists per game or more. That's pretty mind-blowing. And her assist numbers are down from the, the previous she's slacking. seasons. Uh, 11.6 points per game, 8.7 assists per game, playing um, just under 32 minutes, uh, slightly a career high in minutes per game, you know, just you know, a percentage point of uh, a minute or so 
over last year. But in the 91st percentile in minutes played for Courtney Vandersloot, probably a little bit higher than you would like, given her uh, importance to the team. And, and, you know, she's not the oldest player on the team by any means, but but getting up there. Um, yeah, she has, I mean, what is this, her fifth season in a row leading the league in assist percentage? Uh, just in, insane as always, but you know, not, not the most efficient season for Courtney Vandersloot, 37% from three, uh, down to 45% shooting from two, which is kind of comfortably her lowest since the 2016 season. It, it kind of felt like, you know, a default nomination in a way, you know, Vandersloot is just kind of a player you have to have in the all-star game, unless she's been hurt or had just had like a terrible season. Like I, I didn't really feel like this is kind of some some great Courtney Vandersloot season, but you would know better than me. You are obviously a, a much closer Chicago Sky observer. Uh, am I off base by saying that? Mm, no, but it's also a far cry from just a few years ago when it, they're like trying to keep her out of the All Star game, which was <laughs> which was ridiculous. But um, no, I, I think I think you have some you have a point there. Uh, like I said, she got up to a slow start, and maybe as a scorer, she hasn't been as consistent or as efficient or both as, as you would expect. Um, what I do want to point out though, is that I think her defense has actually been pretty good. Vandersloot, maybe not known as a lockdown perimeter defender. I think she's about average out there. Um, she's actually second in the WNBA in steals per game at 2.1. Maybe that, you know, that's, and that's obviously, you know, some of it might be gambling, but I feel like she's at least been really, really active out there. Um, by the way, the, the, the league leader in steals, uh, is Sylvia Fowles, who is basically not human. So it's, no, no, no small feat to be second in the league and steals behind Sylvia Fowles. So I think this is maybe Vandersloot's one of her better defensive seasons. Again, that's not something you're generally looking for from Vandersloot. But I mean, when it comes to the scoring and the assist, it's like, wow, ho-hum. She's only averaging, what is it? How many assists? Uh, 8.7 assists. Down to yeah, 8.7 assists. Yeah, all the way down to 8.7 assists. Like, it's... Maybe, maybe it's just a given at this point, but um, I, I don't see how you don't include her in this game. No, and, and no, no bias there. That's that's just my objective, completely one hundred percent objective analysis. <laughs> uh, where should we go from here? Who okay. do you want to talk about next? I have a player who I think has flown completely under the radar, or do you want to save players like that for last? No, let's do it. I th- we've been talking about kind of some some layups here for the most part, okay. so. I, I said earlier that Benajia Laney was one of the two Liberty players really driving their success. Sammy Whitcomb has low-key been really, really good this season, and I think she should have been an all-star. Sammy Whitcomb, uh, not named to the final 36. but Not she's even on, the field of 36. Not even the field of 36, but she's on my team as well. Uh, Career-high, okay. 12 points per game. Career-high in minutes, 28 points per game. Five rebounds, three assists. Uh, she's been playing, uh, I think, probably more than New York would would like. They were kind of being judicious with her minutes early, and I think they feel like they can't really afford to do that anymore. But she is uh, in the 95th percentile overall as an offensive player. You know, this is probably the player that will have the lowest usage, I think, uh, of any of the players that we're talking about. You know, less than 17%, only 38th percentile in the league in terms of just her usage rate. But she's uh, 77, I'm sorry, 70% three-point attempt rate, 99th percentile as a spot-up player. I do think she is being asked, you know, she, she's she's being overstretched, I think, a little bit as a playmaker, as an initiator. But, um, I mean, she's second in the league in true shooting and first in the league in effective field goal percentage uh, because she's been very effective as a three-point shooter and 
you know, over 60% scoring from two on some pretty low volume, of course. But yeah, the volume is the one that's like the one sticking point here. But I don't think you can really argue with the efficiency. I have a hot take. Okay, ready for hot take time? Sammy Whitcomb's play this year is what a lot of the discussion thinks that Marina Mabry's production has been this year. And I probably said that in a way that makes no sense at all. So let me, let me rephrase that. Um, you know, I think a lot of Marina Mabry got after that really, really hot start. She just like couldn't miss from the field. And then she's had some wildly inconsistent play since then, just basically, you know, almost as a, purely as a shooter, Sammy Whitcomb has done similar things from the field, but kept it up for like almost the entire season. Um, and I just think it's really goofy that she just got left out of the field at 36. I'm not going to blame the fan voting because this all-star game is for the fans. So let them, let them fill their boots. But yeah, she's been really, really good. Um, I wish we could see her in the game, but. Uh, and the, the thing about the fan voting is that two other Liberty players, I think who have not been as good as Sammy Whitcomb were, were in there in uh, Sabrina Ionescu and Michaela Onionwede, you know, both. Yeah. Uh, important pieces to this team, but so you, uh, you like you know you they've been watching. So like, what what game you've been watching though? It's it's weird. Um, but I think a, a deserving all star this yeah, season. Yeah, definitely. So one other here's here's one thing I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, and it's so I had one of these players on the team, uh, and one of these players was named to the team, and it's kind of the juxtaposition of of Tiffany Hayes and Courtney Williams. Did you have either of bo- or both of these players on the all star team? I had both, so go ahead and give your argument. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so by the time we record this episode, Courtney Williams will have played in her 16th game. Uh, That'll be tonight, Friday night, the night we're recording. Uh, Tiffany Hayes will have played 11 games, so obviously a big difference there. Um, But nonetheless, uh, Tiffany Hayes is still third in the team in total minutes despite missing five games. So these are two players that Atlanta is really, really leaning on, especially with uh, Kennedy Carter missing extended time earlier in the season. Um, the overall resumes, pretty similar, I would say, as well. Courtney Williams, 17.1 points per game, over six and a half rebounds, over three and a half assists, leading the league in minutes per game. 40% shooting on, on some really great volume for Courtney Williams, four attempts per game. I mean, that's obviously one of the huge things that we've been talking about. We've been waiting for Courtney Williams for years. Um, unfortunately, despite shooting a lot of threes and, and being efficient from three, still only in the 35th percentile in the league in true shooting at 477 true shooting. Uh, And that's obviously largely because she's never getting to the rim, never getting to the line, 28th percentile and free throw attempt attempt rate. So her two point attempts are just very like, they're, they're just kind of okay. Two point jumpers. Right. And that's obviously going to drive down her uh, efficiency 44th percentile in overall offensive efficiency. When you include assists and turnovers for synergy, um, all the other kind of percentile numbers, like if I'm citing that someone is in the 35th percentile in true shooting, that's from across the timeline. Uh, thank you for from across the timeline Thanks, for the, the great resources you provide. Uh, Tiffany Hayes, on the other hand, uh, very, very similar box score stats, right? 17 and a half points per game, three assists, two, uh, two rebounds, but just a much more efficient player. 58% true shooting, 83rd percentile in the league. You know, not the most effective two-point scorer if you just look at her two-point field goal percentage, um, but almost a quarter of her field goal percentage, I mean, a quarter of her shooting possessions are coming from the line. So uh, those don't get reflected in, in kind of the lower two-point percentage. 
uh, and she's shooting 45% on three on some serious volume. So 82nd percentile overall in offensive efficiency compared to Courtney Williams, uh, 44th percentile. And, you know, these two players, they have pretty nearly identical usage. You know, Williams is, turns it over like slightly more, but both of these players rarely turn it over. Like they, they are some of the best high usage players in the league in terms of not turning it over. Uh, Tiffany Hayes, for me, the, the reason that she made the team, even though that Courtney Williams, you know, she, she's played more, I think her case is one of availability. Uh, you know, she's played five or six more games than Hayes, but Hayes just, she, she puts pressure on the rim consistently that almost no other wing in the league does with her explosion, her, her quickness. Like, yes, she is very left-hand dominant and she's not the best finisher around the rim, but she makes up for that low finishing percentage by getting to the free throw line a ton. And, you know, she's a better defender, I think, than Courtney Williams. 51% of her half-court attempts have come from around the basket. You know, that's, that's the highest of any wing in the league. Uh, you know, Kalea Copper, Taya Cooper, D-Rob, all those players are kind of in the high 40s, but not quite 51%. So, you know, the, the on-off numbers are, are pretty similar for Hayes and Williams. I didn't really think this team warranted two All-Stars, frankly. Uh, so I ended up going with Hayes over Williams. Okay, I, I was waiting for you to, to explain why not both of them. Um, and now I'm curious to see who you had instead of Williams. Uh, everything you said about Tiffany Hayes, I, I totally agree with, obviously. Um, in particular, she's having, like, by far her best outside shooting season. She's shooting nearly 45% from three. And that makes her basically uncardable. And, like, listen... If, if it was easy as if, if it was as easy as just hey don't let Tiffany Hayes go left, they would have done it already. You know, I mean, how many years have we seen her exclusively going left and still drawing a, a, a ton of fouls at the rim and and just getting so many free throw attempts? So, I mean, she is what she is, and that's an amazing uh, guard getting into the paint and, and getting to the free throw line. Also, uh, her assist to turnover ratio is very very solid, two point zero as you said. Um, and the, the dream offense just hasn't been that good when she's off the court, which is to say when she's been missing that time. So I, I think this is a case where those numbers do hold some water because she's unfortunately, th those, those missed games are, are kind of piling up for her now, but I don't think it's enough to keep her off the all-star team because this is the best she's played in a very, very long time. And I don't think there have been many better guards in the WNBA. Yeah. And Courtney Williams, I, I think she does have a, obviously a, a very, very strong case to be on the team. Um, and I came, I came into kind of the recording with like 11 spots of, of the 12, like really solidified. And, and the last, the last spot kind of coming down to two or three players, uh, two, two wings and, and one big. Um, so Williams for me, she, she's kind of like just on the outside. Uh, so it's, it's not like it was, something where I, I was outraged by her inclusion. Um, but it, it does mean that we will have at least one player that does not overlap here. So um, who should we talk about next? Who's, who's maybe the next person on your list? Um, well, I did have Courtney Williams. Why, why don't you uh, say which player you went with instead of Courtney Williams? Sure. So to, to finish out the teams, I guess, the, the, and we still have a couple other players to talk about, but the last player that I included, I guess, in place of Courtney Williams was Dierica Hamby. Okay. I also had Hamby. Okay, so so there will be somewhere with it where we don't disagree, but we can talk about. I mean, where we disagree, but we can talk okay. about Hamby here. Um, and this one uh, again, uh, I think even more so for the last spot, it was like finding someone to uh, include more so than uh, you know a bunch of kind of sure thing all stars that that you kind of had to leave one out because Hamby, you know, she's I, she's important to Vegas, but she doesn't really like. Is she essential to their success? Like, could they do it without her? 
Mm, yeah, I think they could. I think they could do it without her. And she hasn't been quite as good as she was last season in, in, in several areas. But at the same time, like she was, she was, when I was looking, when I was thinking of bigs or forwards or whatever you want to call them, she was the last big to make my list. But that being said, 59% true shooting is still pretty darn good. And I don't see many other bigs other than maybe like Brianna Turner that you could have a discussion about for this last spot. Did Turner make your team? No. Okay. Um, so Hamby's overall numbers, uh, she didn't make my team either, but I did con consider Turner, uh, 11 points, five rebounds. Uh, she did make the all-star team. Um, by the way, I, she wasn't really a player. I even kind of dove into, uh, before the, the teams came out, I guess I was just kind of overlooking her candidacy, but you know, she, she is having a great year. Like you said, uh, 59% true shooting 86th percentile in the league. She's shooting almost 60% from two. So her true shooting is really kind of, uh, been there without her outside shooting really coming around. Like she's down to 20% from three this year. Um, her, her minutes have been, you know, to Bill Lambeer's credit scaled down from years past 25 minutes a game. She's getting to the free throw line, a ton 94th percentile in free throw attempt rate. Another player who's taking nearly a quarter of their shooting possessions from the free throw line, which is, uh, outstanding obviously when when you can get a bench player who just kind of gets the other team in foul trouble i think that's uh you know obviously very important and then you know she's been able to credibly play both positions that that she's been asked to play like she's playing about 95 minutes you know just about 25 percent of her minutes alongside both uh liz cambage and asia wilson and then obviously playing the four whenever one of those two players are not in the game and Jisoo Park also is not in the game. So, you know, she's, she's giving you a ton of versatility and I think it's, um, she, she's an important reason, you know, maybe I, I kind of over or understated her importance earlier, uh, but she's definitely, you know, very important, especially in the regular season when this team is just an absolute juggernaut and, you know, double digit net rating and everything like that. Um, but she's, you know, she's a part of a lot of their best lineups and uh, it feels like one of Hamby, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum kind of had to make the team, and I ended up going with Hamby. That's 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 actually what you just said there. Uh, that's, I think that's a good way of putting it. And actually, I think Hamby is a pretty big part of their success. Um, like I think they could do it with like do it without her. But um, like I said regarding Cambage and her minutes, um, if Cambage truly isn't a high minute per game player, you do need a player who can you know spell either her or Wilson and allow them to kind of stagger those lineups. And that is a Really big reason, in my opinion, why the Aces are so good, you know? We've talked about all my 12. I think I think the only thing we need to do is talk about which one you included uh, over Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I guess we just have one more player to talk about. There are some players that will not make the team that I want to talk about as well uh, in terms of – because I'm a little surprised that you didn't include uh, Kalea Copper on this list. Mm -hmm. um, but my last inclusion is uh, another Chicago Sky, Allie Quigley. I guess that would be the player, the kind of the direct one-to-one -one that I included over Courtney Williams. and. You know, if, if you want to say Courtney has a better case because she's, she's played a lot more, she's a full-time starter, you know, she's been available. Uh, I, I definitely get that. But Allie Quigley, 12 points per game in her 12 games this season, uh, just about a, a lower minute player than pretty much everybody else being considered. But on a per game, per minute basis, like she is in a large part like driving Chicago's offense when she's out there. We, we talked about it last week, so I don't want to spend too much on it, but she's, she's been the catalyst like since she's gotten back and it's been borne out in her individual efficiency and in the team's offensive effectiveness when she's been on the court compared to her off the court. They're 
you know, pretty much a nearly unstoppable offense whenever she plays and pretty pedestrian when she's not out there. In terms of her individual numbers, uh, 41% from three, 43.7% from two, 559 true shooting, perfectly serviceable, you know, 77th percentile in the league, almost a 40% three-point attempt rate. You know, maybe that could stand to increase a little bit, but when we talked about last week how much she's kind of getting into the paint and getting into the line. So I think you're, you can kind of live with that number, that 40% three-point attempt rate, as long as, you know, she's kind of living in the paint, those other attempts, and not taking like a, a ton of mid-range twos and stuff like that. But uh, 104.4 offensive rating when she plays, 92.8 when she sits. And, you know, the only other player that's kind of really in this neighborhood of on-off for the sky is Ezra Stevens. And, you know, I'm just – I'm inclined to give Quigley more of the credit than, than Azar Stevens kind of when yeah. you look at the seasons that they've had. And that jumps to a 17-point differential on-off since they've kind of started turning their season around. So, um, again, I, I get it if, you know, you just – you don't think it's there for Quigley. She hasn't played enough. Um, you know, she's, she's the, the raw per-game numbers just aren't high enough. You know, Courtney Williams is averaging a full, like, five points per game more than Allie Quigley. But I just – when it comes to driving effective offense, like, I think Allie Quigley has been more important. Well, I mean, you, you make uh, a very, very compelling argument. And in fact, uh, we, we talk about Parker playing 10 games. Quigley's played 12. So it's, it's not like she's, it's not like Quigley has not crossed that threshold. Um, yeah. And Hayes has played 11. So right. I, I've, I picked some, uh, some low game played players. So uh, more room for injury replacements, I guess. No. And that's, and, and that's, I think you bring up a good point because uh, some of these players, Parker in particular, they have their cases purely based on uh, contribution to winning basketball. And as we talked about in our sky focused episode, Quigley is, has also been an enormous part of success for Chicago uh, during their little run there. So I, I can't really argue against it, to be honest. And I'm not just saying that as a sky fan. Uh, so who were your, your toughest omissions? I suppose. I think my toughest omission was Brianna Turner. Um, it's, it's difficult to make, I think, the, the traditional statistical case for her just because she doesn't score a lot of points and it, it doesn't really fly. And it, it doesn't really um, jive with what you think of a typical all-star player to be. But Brianna Turner is really, really good in her role, and that is defensive stopper in, in, in the front court. So I don't know. It, for, for me, it, it actually came down to uh, her and Hamby. Those are my, my final two uh, choices, and I ended up going with Hamby. But if Bree Turner ended up making the all-star team, I wouldn't be upset at all because I think it's good. I think it's a good thing if, if, you're, um, if you're selecting somebody based on the criteria of defense because that's not really something that's often focused on in this discussion, you know? Yeah, and the defense just completely falls apart whenever Turner is not in the game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's obvious. Um, How I guess, you? yeah, the toughest one for me was, uh, I guess, that, that last spot for – uh, and, and we kind of, you know, fudged the positions a little bit as, as we can do because uh, this doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, that last spot for Dierica Hamby, Courtney Williams and Kalea Copper, like those those two guards, Williams and Copper, those were probably the toughest ones for me. But some other players that that I considered pretty seriously for this team, uh, Kelsey Plum, Marina Mabry, Jackie Young, Satu Sabali, who did make the all-star team. I think I maybe undersold her candidacy in my own mind before seeing that she was named to the team. I think that that one was kind of surprising to me. So I had to dig in and, and obviously she has been very good this year. Um, and then Bree Turner, as you mentioned, obviously, and then players that I kind of briefly considered, but didn't really think they had a case or, or at least a serious case. Kayla McBride, you know, I think she's having a, 
a perfectly fine season, but I, I think they're just better players. Erica Wheeler, Jasmine Thomas. Uh, so took a look at those players, but obviously went with the 12 that we went with. Okay. And yeah, yeah regarding Sabley, that was a that was a name that I saw when she got selected. I was like, ah, oh, that's 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 kind of funny. But then you look at you look at her numbers and like it's it's not egregious, right? You know, she could be I think she's improved relative to last season. Um maybe what maybe what is surprising about the selection is one, games played. She's played eleven. Like that's not that's not horrible, but you know, there there are players who have played though, like Bonner, for instance, who have played like the whole season basically. Um and then when you think about overall contribution, what has has Sabley been what, their third best player? Fourth best player? No, I... I mean, for what it's worth, she's she's played the second highest minutes uh, since she's gotten back, which you know, frankly, well, yeah, okay, on a team that has no idea like, who's playing music. Well, I was I was gonna say, given yeah. kind of the rest of the questions in terms of consistent playing time, I think it it says something at least that okay, uh, she, all right, fair. She's got Vicky fair. Johnson's trust when no one else seems to aside Nobody from uh, Agumbawale, Harrison, and, and Mabry. So, um, any other of these kind of uh, players on the outside that that you wanted to touch on or? Uh, not really. You know, I, I think um, maybe I think Kalia Copper, you know, as, as much as it hurt me to not, not include her on, on, on my list. You know, I think they're just players who were better, but um, she's improved once again. Um, she's been, as we, t- as we talked about, a major part in this guy's recent winning streak and her skills have, let's, let's put it this way. Her skills have been optimized more recently than they have been at the start of the season. If she has been, if she was playing like this for the entire season, then yeah, I think she would have made my team over. Oh gosh, someone. <laughs> over someone, over, over maybe over Hamby. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, she's, and, she's been good, but and also like one thing I want to point out was, was was Copper one of those players who had dual eligibility? I you're asking the wrong person. because because for some reason, and this may be a little bit of a rant here off the rails, but for some reason, uh, you know, WMA.com when you were voting, it made you select either backcourt or frontcourt players but some players counted for either or and oh yeah so I, you could pick a guard or a forward and a lot of forwards or there like was no wings, rhyme or reason so. to that at all it was really goofy i hated it in my opinion the all-star game just just vote for 12 players i thought you meant like national team eligibility oh no 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 <laughs> um and one other thing you know kind of about these these all-star teams um Obviously, we're only picking 12 players in, in a normal season. We would pick 24. And there are some players on Team USA probably that would not make our all-star teams, you know, maybe only one or two uh, in, in some of the, you know, legends category, let's call it. But yeah, so some of these players are kind of uh, just tough luck circumstance, I think. Tough luck, better luck next year, right? Uh, anything else before we say uh, see you later? No, um, this is fun as always. And uh, oh, one thing I think we forgot to mention is that, or did, did we mention this, that we don't know each other's, we didn't know each other's. That's right. Yeah, I, I had no idea who Eric had. As, um, and we only had one disagreement. So that's, we're, we're, we're making And I had the Sky here. player in the disagreement. Yeah, very strange. Okay, so, so off brand, but you know, we like to keep you guessing. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to uh, tell us how wrong we are on Twitter um, at Double Down WNBA or our personal accounts at Nemchuk or at Trinkworld. Steven, what podcast platforms are we on? Oh, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google. 
podcasts, whatever those are called on, on their respected platforms. <laughs> uh, but if you want to support the show, please subscribe, uh, leave us a rating and leave us a review. It really means a lot when we kind of check those and see someone putting some nice words about our silly little show here. It really so, does, yeah. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. Take care, everybody.